Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host, and uh, very happy to have you here with us today. We're gearing up for a mid-summer OIS. We haven't had one of these before. It's our first OIS that will precede ASRS. Uh, it's actually going to be roughly a half-day event, so uh, a little sample of uh, OIS light. But uh, for the Reddit community, it's, uh, it's an opportunity for folks to, uh, to gather for one day to talk about innovation from all aspects, the KOLs, the companies, the entrepreneurs, the investors. Everyone will be there at OIS at ASRS uh, for this uh, single-day event to kick off the ASRS annual meeting. Uh, Very similar to how we work with ASCRS and, of course, AAO. So uh, we're very excited to have this uh, new member of the OIS family, and we're working with the leadership of ASRS to put this together. And one of the leaders is uh, Dr. Mark Humayan, who will be coming in or is the incoming president of ASRS. He'll be... uh, installed uh, during the annual meeting. And uh, Mark, of course, is uh, is a great name in ophthalmology. It's hard to find one better. I mean, he is a, uh, a pioneer in entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, he was one of two physicians, and this was uh, back in the early 90s, to perform the first procedure uh, that really inspired the creation of Second Sight, which, uh, of course, has gone commercial with its Argus II uh, technology and uh, is able to restore the vision, uh, at least partially, of uh, people who have been blinded by retinitis pigmentosa. And uh, they've got greater plans uh, for that approach to provide, uh, restore vision, rather, for others who have suffered blindness through other means. So it's just an important company. And Mark Mayan was there at the very beginning. So I wanted to talk to him about innovation and inspiration. Really, what was that moment like uh, when you knew you were you were restoring vision to someone who hadn't had it for so long? What is that experience like? And what were some of the the uh, uh, the factors or, or some of the things that inspired him to innovate? Because people innovate for different reasons, and one of them uh, sometimes they're very personal reasons. And, and Dr. Humayun has a, has a story uh, that that fits that criteria. So I was very happy to speak with uh, Dr. Mark Humayun. Uh, about Second Sight, about his uh, storied career, in, in which earned him some uh, some very prestigious honors recently, and we'll we'll get into that in the podcast. And of course, we talked a bit about OIS and OIS at ASRS, and uh, what how important it is to have uh, uh, an event like this OIS uh, proceed an event like uh, the ASRS annual meeting. So. I'm really grateful for Dr. Mind for taking a few minutes to speak, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, Dr. Mark Humayun, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. I, we had uh, Bob uh, from Second Sight, Bob Greenberg from Second Sight on uh, last year. I think it's been a while. And uh, he had conveyed the origins of, of Second Sight, and it's just such a great ophthalmology story, such a great med tech story, that, that initial procedure that uh, you and uh, Gene Dewan were involved in. Can you take us back a little bit to that? I just, I, I've been wanting to talk to you about it. I mean, what was that, that experience like to, to, to essentially give the first glimpses of vision to someone who hadn't had it in so long? And maybe you can 
Tell us a bit about how that all came together. Yeah, well, I mean, the Second Side Project was really a moonshot when we first thought of it about now almost 30 years ago. Um, you know, the idea of using electronics to put into the eye to restore sight uh, was really science fiction. Um, and to, so to make it science fact, you know, there were lots of hurdles that we had to overcome, uh, including uh, initial funding, uh, because there was really no proof of science, leave alone proof of concept. So <clears throat> the key turning point was, uh, you know, when we took these tiny electrodes and put them into uh, momentarily in the operating room for about 45 minutes or thereabouts into a blind person's eye. Now, these patients were blind from retinitis pigmentosa, and by blind, I mean no light perception. So those tests showed us uh, that when we could actually stimulate in a local area, um, the patient could see a spot of light, and they could track the frequency of stimulation and the location of the probe in the eye, which was very, very exciting, meaning that we could actually input through this blind retina uh, and have uh, the patient have visual perception of seeing a spot of light. So that really changed you know, the whole project, it wasn't so much now uh, that it couldn't be done. It was more, could we actually engineer a device and put it into the eye to make this possible? And, and when that happened, when you had those moments of success, what were your, your, your feelings at that time, like at, at that one moment? Well, I mean, <clears throat> that moment, as I've said before, is, is really one of, in fact, it is uh, the most exciting moment in my professional career. It's the defining uh, point for my career. Uh, this is a project that I've dedicated my entire professional life to. So having that, um, you know, perception that even if it was a small spot of light and even if it was dim and flickering, uh, I remember that just like yesterday. It was uh, an amazing moment and the defining moment for my professional career. And did you envision the, the, the path that it took to finally get uh, the Argus device or the Argus 2 device on the market? Did you anticipate it being that long a road? I know you. I know Argus 1 came out about 12 years ago or so, um, but did, what, what did you think was lying ahead when you had that, that moment of success, and, and how did that match reality? Well, that, mom that moment uh, of success in that operating room with handheld electrodes was very, uh, as I mentioned, was extremely uh, joyful. It's something that I still remember clearly. Um, but then, as we, as the um, emotions of joy uh, came back to reality, and the reality was, we knew we had a very long road ahead. Um, there had never been such a device that ever been thought about for the eye, and uh, <clears throat> you know. To make this device, how do you interface with the retina? The eye moves. Uh, it's extremely delicate. What about the, uh, you know, the lens, the cornea, the sclera? Um, there were lots of challenges, and we knew it was a long road ahead. Uh, but you know, did we know it was going to take? From 2000, when we did these tests, were literally 1992. Did we really know that it was going to take that much longer? I would say no, but we knew it was a long road. And. And it really was a, a, a perfect fit for your background, being uh, uh, both in, in medicine and engineering. It's the it's a great uh, a combination of, of both. Did you uh, did you did you seek um, the, both the medical and the engineering background, sort of knowing that 
these possibilities were uh, ahead that we could have these sort of implants? Or is this just a good bit of timing that your skill and your training and, and technology, sort of, uh, the advances of technology, sort of came together in that one important moment? Well, this project is, you know, a very personal uh, motivation. There's a very personal motivation behind this project. Uh, my grandmother went blind when I was in medical school, and it made me focus on developing something for patients who are going blind or are blind. And then, really, I had no uh, no background in engineering, but it's really the project that drove me to go back uh, in medical school pretty late and also in residency to get a Ph.D. in engineering uh, and then really bring those two together to see this project to fruition. So it was a personal motivation from my grandmother going blind that took me into this path and going back and, and getting an engineering degree to make this project possible. And what were your experiences in, uh, in working with Al Mann uh, in getting a uh, second sight done? He obviously passed away recently. He's accomplished, had accomplished so much. What was, uh, what was it like to work with him on this? Well, Al Mann, you know, is, is a very unique, was a very unique figure. Um, you know, I, we all in the medical device community uh, are really saddened by by his uh, death. I mean, he had a very full life, and he passed away when he was uh, 90. Um, but he, you know, without him, uh, it's difficult to develop these long-term projects. He was one that was, once he believed in the science and the approach, he was a, a big cheerleader and always supportive of the project through uh, ups and downs. And projects like these and the other ones that he worked on, whether it was the pacemaker or the cochlear implant or his latest, which was, um, which is the drug delivery uh, system, inhaled drug delivery system, these have taken, you know, decades. And he was always supportive, uh, both from a financial and emotional uh, standpoint, which was, which is so critical and so missed without him being here. And going back to your your innovative drive, you've you've obviously worked with a lot of innovative people, people who've who've created new ideas. Do you find that there's a common thread between uh, people who have uh, who are are looking for absolutely new ways of doing things? Is there a, a personal motivation in a lot of people? Is it more just a scientific curiosity? Perhaps it's a, it's a mix of both. What what have, what's your experience been like in working with other innovators? What drives them? Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to to get the National Medal of Technology and Innovation this year, mm-hmm. presented by Doctor. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, and at that, you know, I, I've interacted with um, innovators and uh, and technologists. And at that um, meeting, it, I met a number of them that were also getting the award. And it basically the reason I mentioned that is that <clears throat> this uh, interaction just recently, you know further confirmed um, the kind of experiences I've been having with innovators um, is that, you know, usually they um, they go into it either because of a personal um, interest or personal motivation or they just like what they're doing. Uh, there's no, um, it's just a lot of fun for them. So there isn't really any timelines per se or any idea that they'll make a product uh, and, make a lot of revenue or return on investment. They're just truly driven by 
um, the pure, you know, experience and the love of innovating. So it's it's really, and of course there there's a blend where people are motivated personally because uh, somebody in their family, um, you know, either went blind or had a heart problem or, or you know a stroke or whatever. Um, but they also very much enjoy innovating and going through the ups and downs and really, you know, paving a new path. Hi, Tom here. I'm going to take a quick break from this interview with Dr. Humayun to remind you to go to OIS.net for all the information about OIS at ASRS. It's up there. Uh, look under events. Look at OIS at ASRS. You'll see the agenda as we have it such. We'll see the speakers we have uh, lined up. And, of course, uh, the way for you to register. And uh, you should be there. Go to OIS.net for all the information about OIS at ASRS. Now back to this conversation with Mark Romayan. On, uh, on the clinical side and in, in the, in the practice of medicine, how, what, uh, how has that changed for you? And, and, and what do you enjoy about, about treating patients? Obviously, restoring vision in someone uh, is, uh, is, has to be an, an enormous accomplishment. But... but Beyond those those great moments, just the day to day in ophthalmology, what what drives you? What what do you enjoy about the specialty? Well, I love ophthalmology because um, yeah, and love interacting with the patients because you get to practice a, a well known art. So basically, when you're in the clinic, uh, whether it's through your diagnosis or your surgical skill, you're able to see results immediately or, or in short order because you're practicing something that's well-established, um, and it gives you an appreciation for those procedures um, <clears throat> because then you go back to, you know, what you're innovating and the first in human uh, trials, and you learn that, you know, even the simple steps, um, if they haven't been refined or worked through, can be challenging. So it gives you a great appreciation for what you practice in the clinic um, especially if you're innovating new technologies. But more than that, you know, it's, it's the human aspect of it. You see patients, you love to improve their vision, but also you're driven by those, um, you know, who you can't help, and that's a real motivation to continue to invent. That's terrific. And you're, you're obviously involved in leadership. You're the incoming uh, uh, president of AS, ASRS. And uh, you're going to take office in, in August at, at the annual meeting where we'll be with our OIS at ASRS for the first time. What, uh, what do you envision uh, uh, happening in retina in the coming year, both from, a, from your position in leadership but also in the specialty itself? How has the retina specialty changed in coming years, in, in recent years rather, and how do you see it uh, uh, developing in, uh, in the upcoming years? Yeah, it's really great to have uh, OIS at uh, ASRS for the first time this year. We all are looking forward to that and looking forward to a a continued long relationship. Um, You know, OIS brings uh, certain aspects, uh, certain uh, corporate uh, and early stage uh, company uh, aspects that, you know, are not typically discussed or discussed to a great length in uh, a meeting like ASRS. So we're really looking forward to having OIS at ASRS. Uh, in terms of retina, I mean, I think it's a, it's a wonderful, exciting time. You know, pharmaceuticals are really coming into play and have been in play in a very big way, and they will continue to, um, you know, make a difference for, for the retina. Uh, I think biologic 
uh, approaches, uh, whether cell-based approaches or um, gene therapy approaches, are also extremely interesting and something that we're all looking forward to um, in, and really bringing to fruition in retina. And I think from, you know, a device side, uh, both in terms of diagnostics and therapeutics, you know, we're getting into being able to really see the retina, uh, meta, you know, both uh, structurally down to micron levels, but also some very interesting work starting to look at the retina from a metabolic function standpoint. So I think, uh, you know, in terms of uh, retina, there are a lot of great things happening on the, on the research and development side. We do have to also, um, you know, work in the advocacy area to make sure that reimbursements and other things are appropriately um, kept. Uh, so, you know, people continue to want to go into retina and, and we can continue to treat our patients as best as we can. Is that a challenge having physicians... Uh uh, choose retina as especially it's my understanding it's a it's a very popular space but is there is there some i mean we're seeing a lot of a lot of uh, advances in glaucoma that seems to be a specialty that's that's growing as well but what how how high is the level of interest in, in retina for uh, for new ophthalmologists well i mean if you look at one metric is to look at asrs um credentialing and so how many um fellows are coming in uh, and signing up both in fellows and training and then as regular members and this has continued to grow uh, and do so very well. So we don't see any diminution in it. Um, so I think people continue to be very interested in retina uh, and to go into retina as a subspecialty of ophthalmology. And you mentioned the, uh, the, the second site uh, initial uh, procedure of almost 24 years ago. Being sort of a moonshot with all the advances in technology and all the all the interest in retina, I mean, are we on our our, our way to Mars? Is there are we going to see some even more exciting advances uh, in the coming years? I think this field of bioelectronics, uh, as I you know call it for ophthalmology, is is very interesting. Uh, I think that you know how these devices work, whether it's for a future version of the retinal. Um, prosthesis like the second site prosthesis, whether it's for an implantable drug pump, um, and whether it's for, you know, even intraocular pressure measurement or some other aspects, um, even a con electronic contact lens, uh, you know, Google, ha Google has talked about that. Um, so I think, you know, this area of bioelectronics for ophthalmology, we're just, I believe we're just seeing the tip of the Iceberg, and I think we're going to see a lot more technologies being developed in this space that will provide both personalized and precision medicine. I was going to ask you about about Google and about the other tech companies showing an interest. What is your your take on that? On uh, one hand, they're obviously a fantastic company; you love to have their their expertise here. But uh, you know, the eye is is particularly challenging. I think, and I think Google is is learning that with their uh, contact lens uh, that was going to measure glucose levels. Uh, is this a, a positive for ophthalmology, having the apples and the Googles in the world sort of looking at ophthalmology and looking at the eye? I think, I think it, is a, it is a real positive for ophthalmology and eye care in general to have the um, big tech companies sort of look at this space, um, you know, and to develop these tech solutions, high-tech solutions, Samsung is very interested, uh, Google is very interested, and I think we'll see, you know, others get involved. 
And I think that that will bring, you know, a lot of this um, microelectronics and nanoelectronics sensors to the space. Now, you know, of course, uh, they have to realize that this is not an, you know, autonomously driving car type of situation. <laughs> you know, they really have to understand uh, the biology in the space. So as long as they partner with the right um, people to make sure that, you know, they don't waste their resources or get frustrated and get out of this space, uh, I think that as long as there's a good marriage that I, I really welcome this and I look forward to more of these companies getting involved in this space. Excellent. Well, again, we're excited to uh, to have you uh, head up uh, our uh, our new OIS uh, family member at OIS at ASR. It's going to be August eighth. I mean, are you uh, getting a lot of uh, 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 interest or, or feedback from from folks at ASRS? Is there an excitement about the the event that's coming? Yes, actually, uh, I've gotten a lot of interest in in OIS at ASRS. Um, certainly, the executive committee of the ASRS is very excited, as well as uh, a number of the board members. So we really do look forward to it. Um, you know, it's the first meeting, so we'll see how things go. Um, but it's uh, no, we've gotten a lot of excitement, and uh, look forward to working with OIS not not only this year but many years to come. Great. I know you'll be uh, co-moderating a panel, I think, with Emmett Cunningham on uh, combination therapies and AMD and. DME, so that's uh, that's looking to be an exciting part of the agenda. Yeah, I think that's a very exciting area uh, as we deal with, you know, frequent injections. Can we actually um, have these combination therapies and what role will they have in extending that interval between uh, injections into the eye for retinal diseases? So that's going to be a great session and, you know, it's just going to be a great meeting. Excellent. Well, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to, to talk about retina and for sharing the, the second side story. And of course, for uh, talking a bit about OIS at ASRS. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thanks, Tom. Dr. Marco Mine, it was a real pleasure to have you on the OIS podcast. Uh, I, I love my job when I'm able to speak with, uh, with just true innovators, people who really um, find a way to bring profound change to, to healthcare, and uh, you obviously fit the bill, as do many of our OIS guests. I really do uh, do have a great gig here, so thank you for joining us. Thank you, uh, OIS podcast listeners, for uh, for tuning in, and uh, I hope you uh, walked away with a bit of inspiration yourself. And I hope you're inspired enough to go to ois.net and register for OIS at ASRS. It's happening on August eighth. Register. And we will see you in San Francisco.